have a word for you. I really do. I have a, actually I have a whole bunch of words put together into a message for you. And I'm excited to share it with you because I believe there's a definite anointing on it and I believe there is a, a shift that needs to take place as this word is delivered. So I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles if you would. Grab your notebooks. We always provide notebooks and Bibles for anyone that might need them. There's notebooks on the sides and back in the back and Bibles for you. We want you to open a Bible. Say amen. We want you to be familiar and comfortable with going to God's word and figuring out how to apply it to your life. And so we ask you to take notes because as you take notes, you'll be able to go back this week and look them over in your prayer time. But also God will give you more than what I'm saying. And so I'm gonna talk to you today about a move of God and shifting your mentality possibly in that. God gave us two phrases as we started this series and as we started this year, and it was first, Calvary everywhere. I'll say that again, Calvary everywhere. Calvary is not a building. Calvary is a body. It's a body of Christ that the Lord is building. He's been building for many, many years, and we're following Jesus. Calvary is human beings loving God, amen, and obeying God. God brought you to this church. You are set in the, the Bible says that God sets the members in the body. Hopefully you didn't come here just because, you know, you just saw some marketing or promotion. Maybe you came that way on the first time, but if you stayed here, you're staying here because God is calling you to be a part of what he's doing in this body. And God is doing things in multiple bodies around the world, praise God. But there's a reason he set you here. And Calvary, God is sending us into our city. God is shifting the course of the river. That's the second phrase that God gave us. Calvary everywhere and changing the course of the river. I come from the Chicagoland area in a little area called Rockford. It's about 90 minutes north of Chicago. And one of the interesting facts about the city of Chicago is that the river that flows down the middle of Chicago flows in the opposite direction it naturally used to flow in. That years and years ago, they invested a lot of money and a lot of work to change the direction of that river. And I really believe that that's something that God wants us in this house to make sure that we're seeing and that we're doing. Naturally, as human beings, we can be selfish. Naturally, as human beings, we can become self-protective. We can filter everything through what's happening to our lives. And if we're not careful, everything is going into us and nothing is flowing through us into the world around us. And even when we're singing about a move of God, now I really begin to talk to you about a move of God today because I believe that's the message this morning. I do believe that you are about to experience a tremendous move of God as we gather, whenever we gather in services. That there is going to be wave upon wave of the Spirit of God moving and flooding and flowing upon you, but I want to speak this over you, going back to Calvary everywhere and changing the course of the river. As that begins to happen and God begins to move upon you and then he begins to fill you, make sure it then flows through you. That's what we're talking about today that you do not become just a caretaker of the move of God and just absorbing it for yourself and keeping it in the museum of your life, but it, it's being given to you that it might flow through you. Can I hear an amen? amen? So the title of today's message in shift is this, you are a move of God. Amen. You are a move of God. 
so that we don't become people that just go, oh, there's a move of God over there. Let's go attend that move of God. Or, oh, there's a move of God happening at Calvary. Oh, isn't the move of God great? Every Sunday morning as the spirit begins to move, I feel something. I've been healed. I've been delivered. I see gifts in operation. Let's go see the move of God. My friend, do not stop there because you are not meant to just observe a move of God, you are meant to be a move of God. And there are people that no matter how many people jam into this room one day, they need a move of God in their life and they're not coming here, but you know what, Calvary's going there and the river's going there. And we will bring the move of God to the workplace. We will bring the move of God to the cafeterias of your school. We will bring the move of God to the garages that you work in as mechanics. You will bring the move of God into the hospitals that you work in. And patients will begin popping up out of bed, getting better all of a sudden when people didn't even know how that was gonna happen. The move of God is in you and you carry the move of God. You are the move of God. Amen. Let me get into the scriptures now. You ready for a lot of Bible today? Today's shift is this. I am a move of God. Open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 5. Book of Mark chapter 5. Familiar passage of scripture talking about the woman with the issue of blood. The Lord spoke to me reading this chapter one time, and I'll show you what the Lord sh shared with me. A woman, Mark 5, verse 25, a woman in the crowd, so Jesus was walking through this crowd, and there was a woman in the crowd. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, and she had gotten no better. Some Bible versions actually say she got worse. Can I pause real quick and tell you a funny story on this? No? All right, I'll keep going then. <laughs> if you don't want to know my funny story, I won't tell you. Okay, so put a pause. I'll go right back in that. A few years ago, I wrote a book. This is not a commercial for that book, but I just, I wrote a book. And I was on assignment in Northern England and I was preaching about the Holy Spirit because the book's about the Holy Spirit. And I began doing a book signing because it was my first book. Actually, it's my only book, so it's still my first book. And I was doing my first book signing and so I was just signing my name, Kevin Kringle, because that's my name. And my publisher was there and he said, you can't just write your name in the book. You've got to give him some encouragement. You need to write like a verse or a sentence or something. So I was like, okay, sure. And so there's a, a scripture very near to this verse. It's like three or four verses later. And it says, don't be afraid, only believe. And that's the verse I thought I was writing in everybody's book. But what I actually wrote was that verse that said, the woman was bleeding for 12 years, spent all that she had on doctors, and she got worse. And that was the only verse I gave them. I didn't give them any encouragement or anything. And I thought to myself, when they go home and look that up, they're gonna be like, why did he write that in my book? Is that a prophetic word over my life? Anyway, so that was my little funny story. So I, I don't sign books anymore. But let's keep going in, in the scripture. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd, touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can only touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around 
in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing upon you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came, fell on her knees in front of him, told him what she had done. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And I love this in the New Living Bible. It says, your suffering is over. <laughs> wow. You can claim that today, right? If that's just the one verse you heard this morning, take that and say, Jesus, that's mine. But here's what I want you to see. I was reading this one day and I felt the Lord nudge my heart and say, who are you in this story? Most of my life, I've been trained to see the New Testament to where I relate to the person in the story that's suffering the person in the story that's in need. So immediately my mind went to every sermon I'd ever heard, I'm the woman with the issue of blood. I have a problem that doesn't go away. I have an issue that keeps getting worse. I've tried this, I've tried this. And if I just go to Jesus, it will be made whole, I will be healed. And the Lord spoke to my spirit in that moment. And he said, no, in the story, you're supposed to be me. You've been trained to only see your need in the stories, but at some day you're gonna to have to accept the fact that you are the body of Christ. You are my temple in which my spirit dwells in you. And one of these days you gotta stop reading the Bible like the one in need and see yourself as the one who's the solution, the one I'm using. So in that story, Kevin, you place your hand on the sick lady so that she may be healed. Because if you keep yourself constantly in a place of needing the move of God, then not giving the move of God, you'll always stay in that place of always needing. So the shift is in that instance, the Lord was speaking to me saying, you're not the woman with the issue. You're me. You're my body in the earth. You're my hands extended. You are my solutions to the problems in this world. Do you see that this morning? And so that's the shift that God is speaking to us. Let me give you some scriptures just to help you really, you know, cement that into your belief system, because that may be new to some of you, because like myself, every time in the New Testament, Jesus interacts with somebody, you've always been trained to see yourself as the blind beggar. You've always seen yourself as the woman under the table looking for a breadcrumb to be healed, the leper needing to be restored. At some point, we have to see ourselves as the body of Christ in the earth, or the world will never change because we always put ourselves in a place of deficiency, in a place, now am I trying to say that you don't have need? Absolutely not. And when the Lord told me who I was in that scripture, he wasn't denying my needs. But he is telling me this, just focusing on your needs isn't always gonna get that accomplished. Why don't you seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and let me take care of all these things. But if you're waiting for all these things to be taken care of before you begin to move as my body, as my name, as my expression in the earth, as my move in the earth, then all the devil has to do is to continue to create need in your life and you'll never accomplish your purpose in your life. It's easy to continue to, to give you another issue or another need or another problem. And you're like, once this is all taken care of, I'll change the course of that river and begin to help other people. Once all the issues in the world are sorted out, then I'll begin to be that expression. You are the move of God in this generation. 
Think about that. God saw fit for you to be born, for you to be born again, for you to be filled with his spirit for such a time as this. Stop wishing you were born in another season. God knows who you are. He knows what he's placed on the inside of you. You are exactly where you are and who you are supposed to be for such a time as this. Now go be the move of God in the earth. Amen. Amen. So back to what I was saying, some of your doctrine and theology saying, what do you mean I'm the body of Christ? I'm not Jesus. Let me just give you some biblical language. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 through 16, write these three verses down. I'll only read one, but I like to give you more because I like to continue to confirm what I'm saying. So write this down. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Romans 12, 5. Those are all the addresses that you need to know later. You see why I'm telling you to write notes, everybody? You're not gonna retain all this yourself. Write things down. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Romans 12, 5. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says this, talking about being the body of Christ. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. You may never have noticed or been taught that. You are the body of Christ in the earth. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, full of love. That's why you never have to be jealous of somebody else's giftings or somebody else's calling because he's fitting the parts together. And as you do your part well, I don't have to be jealous of that because by you doing your part well, give space for me to do my part well, then the whole body rises. Amen. You are the body of Christ. Say, I am the body of Christ. Amen. He didn't just save you to be a Christian. He brought you in to be a part of his body. His hands extended in the earth. You are the temple of the Spirit. You are the temple of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Do you realize, Paul writes, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? So your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Not a spirit from God, he is the spirit of God. The same Holy Spirit that would have filled the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament, that you couldn't go into its presence because we weren't holy yet. We weren't, we weren't forgiven yet. We weren't washed and clean, cleansed. If we would have walked into that presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the Bible says we would have perished. But now that same spirit that's so holy and so powerful and so overwhelming, not only can we walk into his presence, but he fills us. We carry his presence. Come on now, you are a walking holy of holies, amen? You are the temple of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in you, was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God brought you with, bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Say, I am the temple of the Spirit of God. I'm the body of Christ. I am the temple of God's spirit. I am the move of God. Come on now. That might be hard to believe because you know yourself. 
<laughs> you're, you're like, if I am the move of God, the move of God is hopeless. <laughs> like, I know my faults. I know my failures. I know my limitations. Here's the thing. So does God. God knew that too. And he chooses through his wisdom to work through us anyway. In our limitations, in our brokenness, in our concern, in our things, we're not perfect yet, but he's made us perfect. He's made us holy, amen? amen. But Pastor Kevin, what about all this trouble that we're facing in the earth right now? It seems like every time you turn the news on, there's another wave of trouble. Well, let me say this that's probably not gonna go away. I don't remember in my entire life ever turning the news on where the news was like, everything is awesome. I saw that on the Lego movie, but I didn't see it on the nightly news. It's all, they sell, right? Fear sells, trouble sells. That's the issue. So if you're waiting for the world to be put back together, you know what? Satan is still the God of this world, lowercase g, by the way. And he's still the prince of the power of the air and he's still causing problems and people are still in fallenness and they're still in their sinful nature and there's still a curse on the land and in the generations. There's a spirit of the age. But God has saved you out of that yes. where the God of this world is no longer your God. The curse on this ground is no longer something that affects you. You've been set free from that curse of the fall and the law. Amen. But now we go back into this world, not like them, but like from the kingdom of God. You are in the world, but you're not of it anymore. But you're in it for a purpose. So what about all this trouble? It's interesting how God has used trouble to get his body moving. Write this down in your, in your notes, please. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Just do the flip. Acts 1.8, Acts 8.1. You can look it up later. In Acts 1.8, the Bible tells us that you'll be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Say power. power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And you know what they did? They stayed in Jerusalem until Acts 8.1. And in Acts 8, 1, a great persecution hit the church. And the Bible says in Acts 8, 1, when persecution hit the church, that they began to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes trouble forces the glory to the surface. Do you see that? Sometimes pressure gets the oil out. Sometimes what's going on in the world isn't meant to stop you. It's meant to be a catalyst for you to get moving as the move of God in the earth. Because where darkness abounds, God's grace abounds. Sin abounds, God's grace abounds. Where darkness abounds, his light shines brightest. Amen? So all this trouble that's going on isn't meant to stop you because it can't stop you. You can stop you, but the devil can't stop you. Come on. Did you hear what I just said? You can stop you by not going, by not being who you're called to be, 
by giving up, by quitting, by staying focused on need and issues and not getting on with the call of God on your life, waiting for a better time or a better day. You can stop you, but the devil cannot stop you. And the spirit of the age cannot stop you. Darkness cannot stomp the light out. It cannot overcome the light. So the only one that really can stop you is you. It's good preaching, Pastor. I know, right? It's like really good. I love revival services. I love services of great anointing and presence. But I want us, because I believe it's going to happen. I believe what Pastor Josue was singing over us and what we're experiencing is people are becoming more free in their expression um, in worship. You're going to see God respond to your love, to your faith, to your calling out. You'll see God respond. God responds to the praises of his people. Do you believe that? So as you press and you, 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 you sing out and you come ready to praise and you come to worship, God will respond. So I believe because I've seen the love and the hunger in this house, I've hear, I hear you pray, I hear you talk about God, I hear you talk about your love for the Lord, I hear you talk about a move of God. I believe God will respond. But then there's a danger in that, that you think that's the move of God, that you think that's what we're believing for, a house full of people, altars full of people, and people crying and weeping and feeling something and expressing something, that that's the goal. That is not the goal. The goal is a body filled with God's spirit going into the highways and the byways, into the darkness, bringing that power, bringing that glory to the ends of the earth, bringing that truth, bringing that bondage-breaking freedom to people who won't come to a church, but they don't realize you are the church and you've come to them. You understand what I'm saying? They think they can avoid church and here you are in their life. They can't avoid the church because you are the church and the church who is Jesus' body has found them just like he found you. Come on. In the same book, in Mark, I didn't write it in my notes, but I was thinking about it while we were enjoying the presence. I was remembering back to Mark chapter 9. You can look it up later. In Mark chapter 9, you have the Mount of Transfiguration experience where Jesus goes up with Peter, James, and John, and he gets transformed into this glorious image while he's on the mountaintop. And Peter speaks out and says, God, this is awesome. We love the glory. We love the presence. We love this. Let's build houses or tabernacles here and let's stay on top of this mountain and just sit in this glory. But that was not the purpose of that encounter. Because as soon as that was done, the Bible said they went back down the mountain. I love that. Because we will have mountaintop moments, but we have mountaintop moments to go back down the mountain because at the bottom of that mountain was a demon-possessed boy. And that demon-possessed boy couldn't get free, no one could help him, but then in comes Jesus off the mountaintop. And you're the body of Christ. Remember, start seeing yourself 
not as the little boy or the father, but now as Jesus coming down from the glory time, coming down the mountain into the valley of the shadow somewhere and delivering this child who could not be free. This boy had been thrown into the fire by a demon and thrown into the water by a demon and having seizures constantly by these demons. And Jesus came and was able to set that young boy free. Those mountaintop moments are great, but they're not meant for you just to enjoy the mountaintop. It's meant to fill you up, to give you revelation, and then you go back down that mountain into somebody's pain. You go back down that mountain into a lost and dying world. Amen. That's the vision. So yes, my friends, we will experience a beautiful move in this place. And as we continue to give it out and give it out and give it out, you know what happens? We reap more because we reap what we sow. Amen. And the river will get deeper and deeper as we continue to go further into the Dead Sea. That's the book of Ezekiel, different sermon, different day. You get anything out of this? You are the body of Christ. It doesn't offend Jesus or take anything away from him as you walk and do miracles, signs, wonders in his name as his body. It glorifies his name. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works, because I'm going to my Father. Jesus has always been trying to get the power into you, the same power that was in him, the same anointing that was in him, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He wasn't just trying to hoard it unto himself. He was trying to train you on who he's made you to be. So works that I've done, the woman with the issue of blood, the young boy filled with demons, the, the blind beggar, whatever it might be, whatever the need, whatever the concern, wherever darkness has come in, wherever there's oppression that has come in, I have placed in you the power to remove it, to heal, to deliver. Greater works. I had this in my spirit writing this week. Let us not go, let us not say, Let's go and see a move of God, but rather let us go and be the move of God to those who don't know it. Because you hear that, don't you? You see people all the time. Hey, I hear there's a revival. I hear there's a move of God happening in this church. Let's all fill the car and go there. Oh, there's another one down there. And in Orlando, it's like there's one on every corner, praise God. There's nothing wrong with that because this is a large city. What's wrong with it is when we have a mentality of let's go see the move of God as spectators rather than let's go become the move of God and bring it to places that don't have a move of God. That's where it's a problem. And you think the goal is getting in the glory. No, the goal is being a conduit of the glory. Luke chapter 17, 20 through 21. Now when he asked, he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will we say see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. It's not like, look, let's go over there to see the kingdom. Let's go over there to see the kingdom because the kingdom of God isn't all out there. The kingdom of God is happening in here. And you're bringing the kingdom of God when you, when you go somewhere. Shift your thoughts, shift your thoughts. Here's another shift. Shift your thoughts from a man of God mentality. I'll explain this in a minute. Please don't get offended and start gnashing teeth. Shift your thoughts from a man of God mentality to a body of Christ mentality. 
Let me explain this for a minute. The Old Testament is filled with the language, the man of God. Elijah, Moses, Elisha, Isaiah, whatever, Daniel, the man of God. The, Samuel would come to town and they would say, the man of God has come to town. Let us go see the man of God. Which, by the way, there were some women of God in the Old Testament too. Okay, let's not forget Deborah. Come on now. That's another sermon for another day. I got so many sermons. See what happens when I don't preach one weekend? I get full. I keep you here for like four and a half hours, but I won't. Anyway, maybe, but not, maybe not. We'll see. Let's keep going. Shift your thinking from a man of God mentality to the body of Christ mentality. The Old Testament was, let's go see the man of God. In the New Testament, you see the body of Christ emerge, where it's no longer, let's go see Peter or Paul or one powerful individual. As a matter of fact, there's this whole argument even in the book of Corinthians where it's like, I'm of Peter, I'm of Paul. And Paul's like, you're of Christ. You're of Christ. And it's not just one powerful, hot-handed glory person. That's not this dispensation. There will be prophets, apostles, pastors, event. We get that. There are people, gifts sent, and, and, and certain offices given, but not as a limitation to you or to do it for you. They're meant to develop you to work the works of the ministry. And so it's not like, who's the big revival name coming to town to bring the move of God? You don't need that because you are the move of God. And the same Holy Spirit on them is in you. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on certain individuals, but that's not the case anymore. All flesh, sons, daughters, men servants, maid servants. And though we may have different parts of the body, different assignments, we're all filled with the same Holy Spirit saved by the same grace, washed by the same blood, placed in the same body. Amen. Are you seeing this? But whenever you throw the responsibility onto one person like the, the evangelist or the pastor or whatever, then you, you, you hand off your responsibility to be the move of God or to be the body of Christ. Amen. The New Testament speaks of a body more often than it speaks of one or two individuals. Growing and building the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We say, Pastor Kevin, I'm, I'm not worthy, I'm not perfect, I'm not good enough. Remember, he knows everything about you and he still calls you his body. I want to speak three things over you and I'll close. The first one is this. You are without spot or wrinkle. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I'm not talking about looking in a mirror. I'm talking about the way you are in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did, did this to present her, her is the church, to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or other blemish. That's a work of Christ. That is not you getting all yourself figured out. You are holy 
and unashamed, unwrinkled, unblemished because of the blood of Jesus only. Now, yes, you'll work out habits and you'll work out character issues. Go to the character class. It's really going to be good. All those things were growing from glory to glory. But who you are, according to God in the earth, God and in this earth, is you are holy. You couldn't contain the Holy Spirit if you weren't holy. You are holy because he made you holy. Now, can we grow in our character and holiness choices? I just said that. But you are made holy, you are made clean, without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. Amen. To present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church. You are a glorious church. You just don't know it yet. You may not see it, but he makes you glorious. You say, Pastor Kevin, we're going to be a glorious church when we stop fighting with each other as other churches. Well, that will be glorious, but you were glorious even when we were still working that out. Are you understanding this? Do you think Jesus, when we say Jesus is coming back for a glorious church and a glorious bride, that somehow in the future we're going to get to a place where there's no more issues, no more gossip, no more people judging each other unfairly, no more people doing anything wrong. They're all perfect and they're all acting perfect. Oh, and now we've arrived for a glorious church. You think that day is going to come? No, it's not going to come on this side of eternity. But he is coming back for a glorious church. And, and if, if, if he was waiting on us to perfect ourselves, he would never come back. Are you hearing me? But he's made you perfect so he can come back when he wants to come back, not when we get ourselves all figured out. But you can have a revelation today that you are now the glorious church. Colossians chapter 1, because you might think I'm just taking that out of context. Colossians chapter 1, let's see every thing spoken with the two witnesses, right? Two or three witnesses. Colossians chapter 1. So I want to speak over you that you are without a spot or a wrinkle. Number two, you are without a single fault. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. Yet now, say now, he, that's Jesus, has reconciled you to himself. I'm sorry, that's God. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body as a result he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless, and you stand before him without a single fault. You say, but wow, that's too much. I know, that's what grace is. Isn't that powerful? Yes. You stand before him without a single fault. And the last thing I'll speak over you, so you say, Pastor Kevin, what are you, write, tell me again so I can put them in my notes. Number one, you're without spot or wrinkle, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Number two, you're without a single fault, Colossians 1, And lastly, you are the light of the world in a city on a hill. You say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. He is. But in other places, he calls you because you're his body, the light of the world, the city on a hill. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus speaking, you are the light of the world. Now that is not a light from yourself, it is his light in you. 
You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, see that's the river going out, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We are the move of God. You are the move of God. Here's a few ways you're the move of God. Ready? When you bring the gospel into somebody's life, you're the move of God. When you heal oppression in any form, please write these down, by the way. When you heal oppression in any form, you're the move of God. When you cast out a demon, you're the move of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says the kingdom of God has come when someone gets delivered of a demon. You say, Pastor Kevin, I don't believe in demons. It doesn't matter. They exist. They enjoy your ignorance on it. <laughs> Number four, you are the move of God when you pray for the sick. Yes. You're the move of God. You're the conduit. Here's something that we don't always see. You're the move of God when you bring a cup of cold water in his name. Because it's not always casting out a demon that somebody needs. They need a cup of cold water. They need a refreshing. They need some help. They need some substance. They need something tangible. That, but if you do it in the name of the Lord, you do it out of love for God and love for your fellow man, that is the move of God. Please, let's not get weird as a church and think the move of God is only casting out demons and having big revival services because you're going to miss a huge portion of letting your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Anything classified as good works, which would be helping people in the name of the Lord, that's a move of God. Can we not just make it the big expression things? But let's not also, because he hears other denominations or other groups of people, they'll be like, that's right, Pastor Kevin. We don't need to pray for the sick. We don't need to speak in tongues. We don't need to prophesy. We just need to feed the poor and clothe them. Stop throwing half of it out. Let's not exchange one for the other, and let's not forget to do one because we're so preoccupied with the other either way. If you want to feed them, feed them. But if they have a demon, cast them out. Amen. Amen. You say, Pastor Kevin, they just need discipleship. You can't disciple a demon. <laughs> and you have been empowered with the name of Jesus. You're the only people on the earth that can get the demon out. Why am I stopping on how about demons? I don't know. I didn't mean to mean this to be a demon sermon. But you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're so intellectual or so natural. We're like, well, they just need counseling. Counseling is not a bad thing. There are Christian counselors. Counsel needing counseling doesn't make you weak. I believe in that. But there are times to ask a question, is this spiritually influenced and not just natural? Are you hearing me? Say, they just need counseling. They just need discipleship. How do I know? I had a friend of mine who used to say, when in doubt, cast it out. If nothing's there, don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? If nothing's there, don't worry about it. But if something's there, you'll know. Give a cup of cold water. That's the move of God. Listen to this one. Comfort those who mourn. Just being there with them. That's the move of God. You represent the kingdom in that hospital room, in that funeral parlor, in that kitchen where you're talking over a cup of coffee, just being there. Comfort those who mourn. 
you're the move of God. Bearing one another's burdens, you're a move of God. Loving without expecting return, you are a move of God because that's the way God loves us. Give to bring increase into another's life. You are the move of God. Did you hear what I just said? Giving to bring increase in another person's life, not giving to increase your own, but giving to increase their life and letting God do the rest. Pointing people to Jesus, that's the move of God. Pointing people to their Bibles, that's being the move of God. And I can give you more and more and more examples. I just wanted to give you a few examples of how you are the move of God in the earth. Would you stand with me as we close today? Did you get anything out of that? Go ahead and celebrate God's word, would you please? Give God praise for his word and belief that he'll manifest it with signs following in our lives. Let me pray this over your life, and then I will give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Let me ask you this real quick. I've got about three minutes left before I'm completely done. I would ask in this, in this 2022, when we stand at the end of a service, that you do your best to not leave right away. You let me go through the altar calls first, please. Unless you're having like a bathroom emergency, not that we're watching you right now, but if you have a bathroom emergency, I understand that. But I don't want to disrupt the move of God in someone about to come to know Jesus because we just anxiously leave too fast. You become a distraction. Does that make sense? So just give me three minutes and then you can do whatever you need to do. But I just want to make that a good habit in 2022 to just stand and wait on God. Thank you. If you would say, Pastor Kevin, today's message really stirred my heart and I want to lay hold of that message and I want God to help me see that I am the move of God in the earth, I want you to raise your hand. I want God to show me and help me be that move of God in the earth. Raise your hand. This is not a salvation thing. This is you just responding to the word. God, I want to be that move of God in the earth. If you want that, I want you to raise your hand. And I want to pray it over you. Ready? God, right now you see these hands raised. And in that hand being raised, it's like the teacher in the class when they're asking for volunteers and they raise their hand. They're volunteering by raising their hand. And they're saying, I see it. I'm not, I'm not here to wait for the move of God all the time and wait for something to change. I want to help bring that move. I want to help bring that change. I want to help bring your presence, bring your love, bring your word, bring those things, your comfort, whatever, into my world. I'm raising my hand, Lord. Help me to see myself as a move of God in the earth. Help me to see myself as a move of God as I go to work tomorrow, or maybe tonight, as I go back to my home, as I go to school, my college, my campus. God, I am the move of God. I'm not just a Christian. I am. If the move of God's going to happen on my college campus, it's going to happen through us. I'm not just waiting for you to do something out there. You're doing something through us there. And God, we acknowledge you need us. You've worked with us. You've chosen to do this through us. And we say, use us, Lord. Awaken us to this. We are the move of God. We are the temple of the Spirit of God. We are the body of Christ. We give you thanks. We thank you. You fill us afresh with your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Go ahead and celebrate that. Yeah. All right. Last call. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to him. 
The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death, even separation from God in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to ask you a question. Have you ever called on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? You say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Let's do it today. Or you might say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a relationship with God that was very live, very vibrant, but I've walked away. It's grown cold. And I sure would like to restart my relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, then let's do that today. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and I'm gonna count to three. When I count to three, if that's you and you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus today for the first time, just raise your hand. Or if you say, Pastor Kevin, I want to recommit my life afresh today. When I count to three, just raise your hand. Go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. Give you a moment to think about it. Today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your savior, let's do it today. And if you wanna restart, when I count to three, just raise your hand. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand in the air to say, and say, pray for me, pastor. I need to get right with God. There's a hand right there. There's a second hand back there. Anybody else today? I see that one. Third hand there. Praise God. I see that one. I want to restart or for the first time, a fourth hand over there. Yeah. A fifth hand there. Got it. I got that one. Six. Anybody else? Praise God. All right, church, let's pray together, would you? So no one's praying by themselves. Pray this prayer, would you? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I have sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those six or so? Praise God. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.